Thank you for listening to the Spectrum Lounge. If you enjoy this podcast, please support us at patreon.com backslash filmfatale underscore NYC. And be sure to subscribe to the Spectrum Lounge. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge Podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episodes one and two of the Disney Plus original series, Hawkeye. Hey, Robert. Hey, I'm <laughs> kind of surprised to be back for this one. I know. I mean, I, I think, so we've done recaps of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Loki, what if? And I think the last recap we did of, of what if, we're not really sure if we're going to come back for Hawkeye. Let's see. Because I think for both of us, the interest in Hawkeye was like, eh. Yeah. And then we saw the trailer that came out a few weeks after that. And I was like, hmm, okay. This might be all right. This might be okay. <laughs> um, and so we finally, so episodes one and two dropped on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Um, so I guess we'll kick things off, Robert. What were your initial thoughts of episodes one and two of Hawkeye? Um, like, surprisingly, I really liked it. I didn't go in, like, with a bad, you know, attitude about it. I just kind of wanted to, like, give it give it its space and see how it was, but it gives me that like diehard lethal weapon hmm. holiday, you know, crime fighting vibe. And it's kind of perfect for that. Right. Right. Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I liked the show. I was just like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, like you said, I, I actually like the fact that, it is sent. It, it it's based in New York City, mm-hmm. um, and it is around the holidays. We're understanding it's like a, a few days before Christmas, and I'm based in LA right now. I'm doing some consulting work in LA, and so watching those first two episodes, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I actually was like homesick. You miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And you know, yeah. born and raised in New York, can't stand New York, which is why I'm you know looking to make the move. <laughs> LA. But I will say that there is something very special about New York City during Christmas time, during the holidays. It is very magical. And I think the show definitely nails that. And I also appreciate the fact that this is actually shot in New York City because I cannot stand movies and TV shows that claim to be shot in New York. (laughs) Really tell that they're not shot in New York. Because real characters, we know, you know, we have an eye for that. Right. Um, so I was just like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, 45th Street. Oh, that's by, you know, Rockefeller Center. Oh, that's Broadway. So, yeah, they were definitely on the mark in, in shooting uh, this 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 series in New York. Um, yeah. Maybe what we can do is to kind of contextualize um, our review or just talking about Hawkeye. I feel like maybe we need to go back to the beginning. Right. And you mm-hmm. can let me know what you feel because I have a feeling that this series just really quickly as far as and I was just talking to a friend of mine about this I think what's been so brilliant about Marvel coming out with these uh series right is really a way to kick off phase four because we know that you know phase one through three you know was what I call the OG Avengers right Captain America mm-hmm. Iron Man Black Widow um the Hulk um, uh, Hawkeye, most of them are gone now. Uh, Scarlet, you know, made her swan song in, in Endgame, and you know, although she came back for Black Widow, um, Chris Evans is gone as Captain America. Tony Stark no longer Iron Man, and so Phase Four is really about passing the baton, right, yes. from the OGs to these um, newer uh, versions or these people that will be stepping into their place. And I think it's really smart to do a series. As opposed to like, for instance, just making an Avengers movie where it's like, oh, Clint Barton retired from Hawkeye and here's this, you know, 
really cute 22 year old girl that's going to replace him. There's not going to be a connection with the audience, I think, because we've invested, like you said, you know, we've invested so much time in getting to know the OG Avengers, so to speak, or the right. OG MCU. I think when you have a series, six hours, seven hours, it gives you time not only to kind of say goodbye to the original, but it also makes the audience understand the new person that is stepping in. Yeah, yeah. it gives you some time to bond with that new person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about Hawkeye and kind of like his place in the MCU. Um, if I remember correctly, he was first introduced in Avengers. Thor 1. Thor 1. Oh, it was Thor. Yeah, okay. he was in the first Thor, yep. Yes, okay. And then, oh, yes, you're right, because he was over. Okay, so we... We're introduced to Jeremy Renner. Uh, it was a cameo appearance in Thor. Um, and then we really got to see more of him in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, what have been your feelings and thoughts about uh, Clint? Hawkeye? Yeah, Clint and Hawkeye and kind of like their evolution in place. In the, you in know, the- it's interesting because like as far as the MCU goes, he's my, I wouldn't say least favorite, but he's the Avenger that I never you know, mm-hmm. least popular for me. Yeah. You know, whereas growing up reading the comics, the Avengers, Hawkeye was like one of my favorite characters because of his interactions with uh, Mockingbird mm-hmm. on the Avengers. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the character's fine. I mean, the only reason I pay any attention to him is because of his relationship with Black Widow. Mm. Because, uh, Black Widow, because of Winter Soldier, of course, is like one of the characters I appreciate more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's been used in bad ways in several of the Avengers movies, but the character is so good in um, the Winter Soldier that I kind of like took to the character in that movie. And her relationship with uh, uh, Hawkeye is is pretty, you know, it's a, one of the more important relationships as far as Avengers go in the MCU. And it's one of the more realistic ones too. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, You know, when I think about Hawkeye, um, you know, there's the funny thing with like Marvel and DC, there's always mirror reflections of certain characters, right? Like Mm -hmm. Hawkeye (laughs) on the Marvel side, and then you have Green Arrow who's on the DC side. So, I mean, you know, people can debate who's the better archer. Um, But I've always felt that like, uh, you know, in Avengers, I mean, in Avengers, he's initially, he is taken over by Loki. Um, He's brainwashed, so to speak. He's under mind control by Loki and he does some terrible things. Um, mm-hmm. Against his will, and then you know, once he's released from Loki's hold, um, and then there's the huge fight in New York City, uh, where they fight the Shatari and Loki. We really got to see his archery skills. You know, what I mean, what right. we saw too when you know he was evil Hawkeye or whatever. But he, like, I love that scene, the one where he's like taking on the Shatari from the building, from the from the top building, and it's just like, his archery skills are just ridiculous. And I'm yeah. just like, how do you know? I'm always thinking, like, how do you know which arrow to pull out? You know, <laughs> it's very intuitive. It's like, okay, this arrow is going to shoot, you know, webbing. This arrow is going to shoot a bomb. or something. So I'm always like, damn, how does he know which one? To... But I'm sure there's some mechanism that where he can control that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like it's interesting that you mentioned that the thing with with Hawkeye, now that I'm thinking about it, is that throughout his run in the MCU, um, the one thing that I will say about him is that he's he is that character that has relationships, platonic relationships with women characters and supports them, right? That's so, right, because right. Uh, Scarlet Witch and him have a good relationship. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so we start with, with with Black Widow, with Natasha. We know they have a very long-standing relationship. So much so, like, their friendship is so deep that in Age of Ultron, when we met Clint's family, his wife was pregnant, and they actually ended up calling the baby, um, it was a boy, and they called him Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. For that, which is really a play on Natasha. Um, and she is the godmother, godmother to that child. So we, we understand. And uh, also the wife was really good friends with Black Widow. So we understand that, that Clint and Natasha have this very strong platonic relationship. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's the one thing that MC, that the MCU has done well, also reflected with Steve and Natasha. Is For this sure. Idea, is this idea of men having healthy platonic relationships with women um, and, treat, and treating these women and advocating for these women, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really beautiful. And so, yeah. And so when we went into Age of Ultron, we, we kind of saw that in the way that he mentored uh, the way that he mentored uh, uh, Scarlet Witch with uh, with Wanda, he was kind of keeping a, an eye on her and kind of helped her come over to the good side, so to speak, um, in Age of Ultron. And now we're seeing this same kind of <laughs> with Kate. With Kate, you know what I mean. And I and I think that part of that is because of the fact that Clint is a girl dad, and throughout yeah. the episodes we are seeing scenes of him and his daughter. I'm forgetting what his daughter's name is. But we do understand that he and his daughter have a really beautiful father-daughter relationship. And I do think that that is kind of, you know, as alpha male and as tough as Clint is, like his relationship with women platonically and even with his wife, um, he has a lot of respect for women. A lot of respect for women. So I've always liked his character for that. Yeah. And when you think about it, I mean, they're seen in... uh, Endgame mm-hmm. is like one of the most powerful scenes in the whole 10 years. Like when his daughter disappears, oh. turns to dust. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. And so, and, and it's interesting too, because when we were watching that first scene in Endgame where he was teaching his daughter archery, mm. I was like, is that like an Easter egg? Or like, are y'all telling us that she's going to be the next Hawkeye? But yeah. I mean, that, you know, Kate Bishop was coming down the pike. But I do feel that his daughter is going to play an important part in the MCU. I'm not sure how, but the fact that we keep seeing them together, I was just like, I think they have plans for her. I mean, I agree because she's like the one of the kids that has the most talking parts. Yes. And common sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting that you said that is like the boys. You barely see them. Yeah. The relationship with him and his daughter are highly and I think it, it, it kind of juxtaposes juxtaposes with his relationship with Kate. There's very much like a <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. So, um, so let's first talk about this opening scene and because you and I were talking about, and you tweeted about this about how you can tell me what it was you tweeted about that opening scene and and the overall. Yeah, I was saying like this is like the mega accomplishment of the MCU. Like this 10 years of movies has given us this shorthand where they can show you this little clip from the Battle of New York from Avengers mm-hmm. and everybody's seen it and they're like, "Oh yeah, and now we're getting to see the other side of it when we get to see across the street uh, Kate as a little girl seeing Hawkeye fighting the Chitari. Right. That was amazing. Like the way that they use the clips from Avengers. It's amazing. And then, you know, because I think there was a little bit of CGI when they showed Hawkeye. I mean, there was actual footage of him from the Avengers. And I think there's one scene where they might have just to make him a little, look a little bit younger, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just sort of like, yo. I love I love that introduction. It's not like, oh, she's just some random person. It's like, no, we have to connect her into this universe and how what right. does it look like. And yeah, I mean, we saw the Avengers. There was a lot of collateral damage in that, you know, in 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 that fight scene, but we didn't really hear about it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, and now it, we're getting to see it firsthand. We're seeing and I think that's what's so cool about the MCU is that there there's like this panoramic view. Mm-hmm. Um, because remember, like phases one through three, we have been seeing it through the eyes of the superheroes, right? We've been seeing it through the eyes of the Avengers, which short court, we're looking through the eyes of privilege. Let, let's say right. put it that way. And right. now by kind of double backing, by kind of reversing and making and kind of putting the camera on the ground. Right. And kind mm-hmm. of see like what these human consequences look like. Like they had already been doing this in the movie, like with Civil War, when Tony was confronted by Alfred Woodard's character 
by the elevator and was like, oh, by the way, when you guys had that super duper huge fight in Age of Ultron and, you know, leveled Sokovia, by the way, my son was a volunteer there and he died. Yeah. Right? And we, we got it again in the first Spider-Man with the Vulture. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And and I, I find that so fascinating that for some people, while we may look at them as these heroes, as angels, there are other people who feel very differently. They may not be mm-hmm. flat out villains, right? But they're just sort of like, mm, yeah, I don't think you guys have done as much good as you think you have. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's, 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 a, it's a gift that they are kind of doing that because, I mean, and even to an extent, we did kind of see it like, even with the Netflix Marvel movies, like with Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist and Daredevil, mm-hmm. that there was sort of like that grounded uh, vision or the look, right? Because remember in those shows, they called it the event or the, the event. event, right? So we knew this was post Avengers, right? Yep. And, and that, that was kind of a call for these uh, more grounded heroes like Luke Cage and Jessica and, and Daredevil to... Um, step up because yes, while the Avengers, uh, you know, defeated the big bad in the Shatari and Loki, you've got these everyday evils, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't. You know what I mean? Like the like the single mother that's going to get evicted from her apartment, and that's where someone like Matt Murdock comes in, where he's advocating for the less privileged. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same with Jessica Jones, same with Luke, particularly Luke being a, a black superhero. He's sort of the protector of Harlem, you mm-hmm. know, what I mean? and that even within black spaces, there's, there's violence that we are enacting on each other, you know? Yeah. What I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I really was kind of surprised by that opening scene. Cause I was like, okay, so how are they going to start this show again? Like, how are they going to connect, you know, Kate to Hawkeye? So I, I really like that. Um, so let's talk about the casting. So before we get into the episode, let's talk about the casting because a couple of years ago, they did announce that Haley Steinfeld would be playing Kate Bishop. And I have to tell you, Robert, I love her in this role. I'm not very familiar with the Kate Bishop character. I mean, I know of her. I've read about her. I haven't really read the comics, but there's just something about Haley. She has the sweetness, but sort of like a sarcasm, but it's not. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's wonderful. And like, I immediately fell in love with her. I was just like, yep, I want her to be the new Hawkeye. <laughs> and, that, and that is really a testament to the casting. Uh, shout out to Sarah Finn. She is sort of like the casting director for all of the Marvel TV properties. Show. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What, do you, what do you think of Haley? Uh, I think she is perfect for the role. The interesting thing is, I mean, I've I've heard the name before. I, I've heard her name before. I'm sure I've seen her and stuff before, mm-hmm. but I've never really paid attention to this actress before. Right. But I do know Kate Bishop. I've read a lot of Kate Bishop in the comics, and she is perfect for mm-hmm. the role. Like, she- I, I guess at this point, I'm not surprised when they nail casting. Um, you did it again okay but she is perfect you are right she is she's got just enough of the sweetness but Mm -hmm. she's she's got the sarcasm Mm -hmm. um she's got like that drive Mm -hmm. uh yeah she's she's really good and she's really charismatic very very like i could easily see her being one of the more prominent heroes in phase four Wow. Yeah, I, I agree. She's up uh, because I knew Haley was in True Grit, that remake of True Grit. She was like 10 or 11. Like she was young. Oh, wow. wow. And then she's been in the, oh God, it was the, 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 it was that franchise, the one with Anna Kendrick where they were singing. She oh, was, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I, I can't think of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so she was, um, in those movies, and then I, she has a Apple Plus series where she plays Emily Dickinson. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and then she's also in. I'm trying to think. Oh, this is how you know her, Robert. She's the one who voiced Spider Gwen in Into the Spider Verse. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, Pitch Perfect. That's that's the movie that she. Yeah, was yeah. That's that's the series. But she's a very talented. Not only can she sing, um, act, she can sing too. Um, and I just like her and I think it could be me, but I think one of the other reasons why I like 
Kate Bishop, because here's the thing. We understand that her character is privileged. She does come from money. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she comes from a wealthy family. But what I like about Kate is that she does not give me any Karen vibes. And I, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know I, mean? I just have zero, you know, patience for white women characters like that. But well, we kind of got to see that in that scene where she shoots the bell tower and her two, uh, <laughs> you know, the black girls that were her friends yeah. that were like kind of like pushing her on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she's, you know, so she's just, she doesn't annoy me because sometimes younger white women characters can annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, but but Haley does not do that. So I was like, thank God. <laughs> Although I did read somewhere that Haley, she is of African-American descent, like her grandfather. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, she does not identify as mixed race or anything. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's not doing that. But I mean, she's very open about her lineage. So I'm wondering if maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> Why she's so much? And her and Jeremy uh, Renner have good chemistry. Very much so. They're really, really cute. Because I kind of like this. She's kind of like this adoring fan. Like She's like, oh my God, how <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and he's annoyed. Yes, and he's kind of like, oh Lord. Because in the, in the flashback, uh, like, we'll, we'll, so let's talk about the opening scene. Mm-hmm. You can kick it off. So how does let us know how the episode starts and how it ties into the Avengers. Well, I mean, it's basically we get to see uh, Kate and her relationship with her dad. Uh, she's she's in the apartment with her mom and dad. Um, her mom and her are kind of having like a little, I wouldn't say argument, but she's kind of ignoring her mom in the kitchen and her dad comes home. And of course, she's like, it's obvious she's daddy's little girl and mm-hmm. she uh she was uh their parents got in the fight she's listening to them from the bedroom mm-hmm. they hear her getting getting up on her dresser so her mom sends her dad in because you know mm-hmm. dad's her favorite so he's got to go in to talk to her right so it was kind of good to see you know how close she was with her dad and then we have the whole you know, her dad goes upstairs to get something, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then um, her and her mom, she meets her mom in the kitchen. Her mom goes downstairs to go get something because they're going to play checkers. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we start see- hearing the explosions and stuff outside from the Chitari fighting. Wow. Yeah. And gets a, like a whole wall blown away in the apartment and she- Kate can see outside, but now both of her parents are in like different parts of the house, and she's like trying to. She's kind of freaking out seeing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, so. Kate's uh, mother um, is is Eleanor Bishop. Is she's played by Vera Farmiga. Um, She'll look very familiar to you. She is from the Conjuring uh, franchise, and she also, I believe, she played the mother in Bates Motel, right? The the yeah the series. That was kind yeah. of like the origin story of Norman Bates. Now, here's the thing, Robert. So here's the, here's some ob- observations that I want to throw at you, and you let me know. Okay. So this opening scene between Kate's parents, the, the, the argument was very specific, right? In the fact that we understand that, one, visually we can see that these people, that, you know, Kate comes from a very uh, privileged family. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like a like a penthouse, so to speak, right? A two-level, three-level penthouse. Yeah. The fight that Kate's parents were having were over money, was over money. Right. It's almost like they had lost something and he's going to have yeah. to sell the apartment. Exactly. So one, we're understanding that her parents are having some friction due to money. And what we also find out is that it is Kate's father's who has the money, right? Or at least his side of the family mm-hmm. the money. Yeah. Kate's mother is more from humble beginnings. She's not the one. She married into money. You know, right. what I mean? I'm not saying she's a gold digger or anything, but we kind of understand what the power dynamic in this family is. Here's the thing. I think <laughs> there was a specific agenda as to why they chose this specific scene to open um to to open Hawkeye. I think I what agree. They- they're trying to telegraph and trying to tell us something about the Eleanor Bishop character. Mm-hmm. Here's my theory. 
I mean, we'll talk about the rest of the episode, but I just, before I forget, I think that Eleanor Bishop is the big bad of this movie, of this series. Oh, that would not surprise me. Yeah, because I'm like, like, listen, Vera Farmigia is that chick, okay? She's Mm -hmm. one of the best actresses in Hollywood. There is no way that Disney would just cast her to play the doting mother or the worried mother. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. There's something that work here. And particularly because of the fact that they fought about money before this, right? So we understand that they were in some sort of financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Then we see, you know, there's a funeral. And then if, you know, fast forwards to when Kate is an adult, when we see them in present day, they're doing really, really well. Like now the mother is the head of, what is it? Bishop Securities? It's yeah, security of- company. Yeah, so she's sort of like this badass, you know, CEO. That's not what we saw in the beginning of the Hawkeye in the Flash. Mm-hmm. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I, yeah, exactly. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I think you're right. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, so so I'm kind of putting things together. I'm like, okay, you didn't come for money. Okay, you're fighting with your husband about money. Okay, then your father, then your husband dies tragically in this event, and now like you're big bossing. <laughs> you're big bossing and you're marrying into money again there you go <laughs> because she just got engaged to another rich man right and failed to tell your daughter that you were getting that you because we find out in the episode that kate was like the last one to know she goes mm-hmm. to that holiday holiday party people are in, you know congratulating her like oh yeah uh the wedding and she's like what wedding she was like yeah your mom got engaged and i'm like what kind of mother failed to tell her daughter <laughs> That she's getting engaged. So I'm just looking at Eleanor Bishop, and all I'm saying is that keep your eye on her. Yeah. There's going to be some sort of reveal about Eleanor Bishop that I don't think we're ready for. And I think that is why they cast Vera Farmiga. The same way you would cast a heavy hitter like Julia Louis-Dreyfus to play Madame Hydra. Yeah, or uh, the woman that played Agatha in Wanda. Mm-hmm. WandaVision, right? on y'all are not gonna cast it just so she's playing the nosy neighbor so by the reveal that she was agatha like we started n- realizing that there was more to her that 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 meets the eye so i mm-hmm. think the same way that's perfect example that same sort of twist in wandavision i think we're gonna get that same twist in hawkeye yeah i, I think you're right and can you imagine because because the, the thing is like we said these series are really to establish these characters right so this series as much as it is about Clint um, sort of handing the baton over to Kate. This is also Kate's superhero origin story. So we're Mm -hmm. starting with the idea that her father was killed during the events of the Avengers. Um, Okay. That's, 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 that's a kind of good motivation, but I feel like you got to put it a little bit over the top. So imagine an origin story where your own nemesis is your own mama. Would this be the first character that had mother issues in the MCU? Most most of them have daddy issues. Right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so this is definitely a a, a, a a twist on where that and that's an excellent point. Like now if, if if things turn out the way that we're that we're theorizing, if Eleanor is indeed going to turn out to be the big bad, I'm just sort of like, wow. Like imagine where you have to take down your own mom. Like what does that look like? <sighs> I'm just saying. That's a hell of an origin story. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that. We're gonna see how the you know the rest of the episodes you know pan out. But um, so anyway, we switch from Kate. So we understand you know with the opening montage, uh, you know after the funeral, Kate goes on to be like, you know, this martial art. Like she's winning. You know, she's training in martial arts. She becomes an archer because she actually in the flashback she sees Hawkeye take down the Shatari. And at the funeral, when her mother was like, anything you need, you know, whatever. And she was like, I want to be, I think she said she wants a bow and arrow. Is that what yeah, she Yeah, she's said? like, I need a bow and arrow. Yeah. So already the, the plant has been, the, the seed has been planted that she wants to be like Hawkeye. You know what I mean? Um, and so when we come into present day, we understand she's just a very accomplished young woman. She's an accomplished um, archer, uh, martial artist, uh, fence fencing like she's yep, fencing yeah she's just an all-around badass and everything and so um yeah and then we switch over to clint 
Um, and this was the one, oh man, I had so much feelings over this scene. <laughs> Me I want too. to talk to you about it. Um, we switch over to to Clint Hawkeye. We understand he's he's retired, right? This is five years after the incident. And he is actually taking his children into the city to go see Rogers the musical, which is a musical based on Captain America and the Avengers. And the specific scene that we're watching on stage is sort of a musical recreation of the Chitauri attack. Of yeah, G- the Battle of New York. <laughs> yeah. So what did, what did you think about that scene? No, I'm just like you. That was really hard to watch. Like, I thought going in that it was going to be, like, just interesting to see the musical and it would be kind of funny and stuff. But to see his reaction Mm. to it and to see him kind of, like, reliving it almost while watching it, that was rough. It was. It was. And because the thing is, like, that scene said quite a few things. Um, and this is good writing because the scene th- that scene to me established a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Number one is this passage of time where, again, there's this prism of how we're looking at the Avengers, right? And now they've actually become like pop culture. Yeah, for, it's like a pop culture phenomenon. Like, oh, let's let's do a Broadway play about this mm-hmm. really destructive, you know, day in history. You know what I'm saying? They would almost be like doing a 9/11 play like that would be a very poor taste if you really think about it you know what i mean um and so yeah and it was just uh just to kind of see like how it just feels like people have moved on that's what it seems like to me like people have just kind of moved on from this idea of like these mythic powerful beings it was like oh thank you for saving us from thanos moving on (laughs) yeah and the other interesting thing about it is that his daughter could tell something was wrong. Like the the two boys were totally like we were talking about earlier. They were just kind of like totally into it and watching it, but she could tell uh, he was kind of going through it. Yeah, and it it was a and like you said, I mean, you know, the Clint character to me, you know, it's been like uh, he's he's cool. He's not like my top three Avenger, but mm-hmm. I will say that the the part in this play where the character who plays Black Widow comes out and sings, and I just, my heart just hurt for him because then, of course, I think most, like most of us, we're thinking back to Endgame where Natasha sacrificed herself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to, 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 that's a very traumatic event to go through, right? Like, oh, it's cool. Like, oh, you know, special. But like looking at it from a character point of view, like to see your friend Say, and then hey, he has to relive it all over again. Relive it all. And for them, it's just a joke. Because remember, these people don't know what happened on Bormir. Nope. They weren't there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm sure, you know, Clint shared the details in his Intel report, but they're not there. So, like, Black Widow to them is just like this cool, redheaded assassin who just kills people. But Clint really knew who she was. Like, they knew Black Widow while Clint knew who Natasha was. Let me say that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it it was really sad to watch that and then the other thing that was really interesting too is the fact that he has uh, a hearing aid so we now understand that he's disabled in some way or he's hearing impaired yeah that that one really surprised me and I, and I was it got me thinking I was like I wonder like how long he's been wearing the hearing aid now good question like, yeah and, and what was really cool is they kind of did like a quick montage of like all the different explosions he had been through in the other <laughs> right so I was like yeah it kind of makes sense that you your hearing wouldn't be a hundred percent so but did you notice a little later when they mm-hmm. were outside the theater that his son his youngest son was signing to him yes so is this is that because of his hearing aid or is his youngest son deaf or like that, that kind of took me for a loop that's a really good question um i mean i guess we'd have to take a look at the scene. yeah because he signs at him twice he does that at the mm-hmm. and then again uh, and he signs back and he signs back so there's deaf. i was wondering if maybe their youngest son is deaf maybe that's something to look into that's a really good question i mean yeah you know, deaf representation. At, well, we'll put a pin in that because we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I was about to say, like, that That might be a way to show mm-hmm. early on, like, something that's going to come up later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know we have deaf representation in The Eternals. Um, we have Lauren Ridloff, the the actress. She's an actress of color who is actually deaf. 
in real life. And um, I, by the way, I loved her performance in Eternals. I thought she was dope. I can't wait to see her again. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's she's really good. She's like she's so like she's super fast. She's kind of like the Flash of the mm-hmm. group, right? But she just has like this spunkiness to her that I, I really like. So I'm really glad that. Marvel is finally paying attention as far as like representation of disabled people and actually Mm -hmm. casting more importantly, casting disabled people to play these roles. Right. Because this this conversation about cripping up where able-bodied people are playing disabled roles. Um, You know, and I've always said this, you and I keep saying this, Robert, I pretty sure that when we look at these course corrections in the, in, in the MCU, I know that they have their ear to the ground. They're seeing these conversations that we're having. Let me say that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like people, like people can, you know, we can say everything we need to say about phase one, two, and three. They, there's a lot of stuff that they didn't do that they should have done, but they are definitely course correcting right now. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we kind of get a feeling of what, um, Clint has been experiencing uh, since Endgame, and you know it's. It, it, I'll tell you what, like just watching all these series to see where all these characters, where these Avengers are landing after Endgame. There's not a happily ever after, and I think that's a good thing, right? Yeah. The end of, you know, the end of with Endgame, they you know they vanquished uh, Thanos and his you know second attempt at, at you know destroying the world. Um, you know, we had that beautiful memorial for Tony and everything. And then it was like, okay, well, what's next? And I like the fact that they're complicating things like they're, you know, like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, while people may have, you know, criticisms or feelings about it, I appreciated the fact, like that whole story with the GRC, Mm-hmm. With the global repatriate, like that's not, that's something that I would have never, that's not something I would have thought of, but it totally makes sense totally makes sense like you have millions or billions of people who disappear and then when they come back after five years how do you handle that yeah you displace all the people that were left in their wake when they come back right right so this idea of like you know with the carly and the um you know the 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 flag smashers and this idea of like okay well now you're back and now you have to give up this line okay bye-bye you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like we're not thinking about, or even that scene in WandaVision with Monica Rambeau, where she is snatched up, right? She's, you know, before, when the snap happens, she's at her mother's bedside because her mother was dying from cancer. That was so good. <sighs> and then she return. Yeah. And that total chaos and her disorient. Mm-hmm. Tiana Paris is that chick. Like the way she played it was just like, I can't even imagine what kind of, feelings you would have where it's literally like a blink like one second you're there with your mother and the next she's gone and it's been and she's been gone a long time yeah yeah so this 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 feeling of a loss of equilibrium of i don't quite fit in i don't quite like i feel like the, the shows are really honing in on that and i think that's a i think that's really good um because yeah you have to think about like these consequences that are that are happening like steve's gone Iron Man, you know what I mean? Like all of these characters are gone. And then like the ones that remain, they're still there having to deal with like these day to day issues. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think they're, they're doing a good job with that. And so um, basically we understand that Kate (laughs) gets kicked out of school because she's given a bet, a bet to, Turn on the, the the church bell on the campus tower with a with a with an arrow, which she does, but then it actually destroys the bell tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like the vibrations were too much for the old bell tower. Yes, and it was like you're just seeing it crumble in real time. You're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. But um, her reaction to it was just so good. I mean, that basically was a good way to, like, show her personality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so she comes back home for the holidays. And then, you know, her mother is like, oh, well, now we're going to have to pay for this bell tower. I have to admit, her mom was a lot much cooler than I thought. Because I was like, that was a black mama. You would not want to pay back home. I know that. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah, so basically, as part of her penance, uh, you know, uh, Eleanor tells Kate, "Hey, you need to come to this holiday party with me," um, and that's where she meets, you know, her mother's new. Fi- What's his name? Jack Duquesne. Duquesne. Um, yeah, I think so. I've got my eye on him. Um, and um, yeah, and that's when she finds out that her mother is engaged to this guy. And like you said, he comes from money. The Duquesnes have lots of money too. Um, and some, and at one point, uh, Kate witnesses her mother having an argument with Jack's uncle. Yeah, the, yeah, the older man, right? The older guy. Now, this goes back to what I was telling you, Robert, about how we're perceiving Eleanor because (laughs) that scene where Kate is kind of observing this argument between her mother and father as the viewers, we're looking at it through Kate's eyes. Now, if I see somebody arguing with my mama, I'm going to take my mama's side. I don't know what's said, but it just seems like, Hey, this man is being aggressive towards my mother. So my mom is the victim. Watch that scene again. Robert, I don't think it's what it, that scene is not what we think it is. And I don't think, well, you, you know what, like when you were talking about it earlier, it got me thinking about that scene. And when she came out, she did not seem like she was threatened at all. Like she, it seemed like she was the aggressor when mm-hmm. she came out. So I think you're totally right. Yeah. And it was, remember what he said to her, what the uncle said to her, he said, Oh, well, I know powerful people too. Mm-hmm. So that means that Eleanor threw the gauntlet. Like she must yeah. have flexed on him. And then he was like, well, I've, I've got muscle too. So it's like, hmm, put a pin in that. <laughs> put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and- you, you've nailed this. Yeah. She's 100% got to be the uh, the main villain. Yeah, she's part of something. She's We're going to find out she's part of like some secret cabal, some part of organization. Like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting because it's going to be mm-hmm. good. Um, and so <laughs> while Kate is at this holiday party, Somehow she sneaks, she follows uh, her new, you know, soon to be father-in-law into like this other part of the party. It's like the wine cellar. And it seems like there's this secret auction taking place. And one of the things that is, that are auctioned is they, 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 the, the auctioneer is like, oh, we've got this from the, the rubble from the Avengers mansion from Endgame. It is actually the costume of Ronan. Right. Because remember when after the snap, you know, Clint went rogue, so to speak, and he became Ronan and he was just taking down all these, you know, um, underground, you know, sort of like these mobsters and whatever. Um, And so it's the costume and the sword. And then all of a sudden, while this uh, while this uh, auction is going on, somebody busts in. It's a group of guys. They blow up. They blow up the wall. Um, and then Kate, while she's hiding, cause she was pretending to be a waiter, she snaps up the suit and the sword and puts it on and starts and kind of takes on the bad guys in order to protect the people so they could leave and everything. So I was just like, huh? Well, well <laughs> what did you think? I mean, cause clearly this is this storyline of bringing back Ronan. What are your thoughts or like, what are your theories on that? Cause I feel like there's a, this is, this was, a, an, again, this was very intentful. Yeah, that yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what they do with the Ronin part of this, just mm-hmm. because it's been such an issue ever since it happened. Yes, uh, in Endgame, so I'm kind of interested to see how they addressed it. As far as it, how it you know plays in this TV series, mm-hmm. it was really cool to get to see Kate fight for the first time. Really, yes. she's good. Uh, <laughs> in this scene, yeah. And you could tell, like, she's not as highly trained as an Avenger, but you can tell she can take care of herself, and she's really good at thinking that on her feet. She really and is. That's, and that's one of the things that matches up with her uh, comic book version of the character. Mm-hmm. She's really good at thinking on the fly, and she kind of did that with the oh. whole bell tower thing, too, because her first shot didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then she figured out real quick a way to get around um, what went wrong with her first shot and and nailed it on the second shot. She did. <laughs> so it was a good there was a good fight for displaying Kate's character and Kate's fighting style. Uh, it was really great for that. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. I was like, okay, girl, I see you. Um, <laughs> she's, a, she's a really good, and then like you said, like she she has so much raw talent. Imagine when she actually is training. Yeah, that's the good. that's the best way to explain it. It's raw talent. It's raw talent. Like when she's trained and and has those you know instincts home, she's gonna be a force to mess with. I mean, she already is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. like I, and I agree with you that she's definitely gonna be one of the more pro- prominent um, members of the new Avengers uh, lineup and everything. So I mean, so far, who do we have? So we have the seeds. We've got Kate Bishop. Mm-hmm. We already have. I mean, this was a quick cameo. He didn't really have a lot of speaking, but we were introduced to Eli Bradley, Isaiah Bradley's uh, grandson in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we know that Eli Bradley is Patriot. He is a, also a member of New Avengers. So who else yep. do we have? Uh, Kamala Khan. Yep, and then the two kids in Wandavision. And then who? Oh, the twins. The twins. Yes. So they're really laying the groundwork for this new team, right? Well, let me ask you a question really quick. Is is the idea to make like a new Avengers and then a new Avengers, like are they trying to do like an Avengers where the new lineup will be like Captain Marvel and- uh, I mean, they basically have the lineup of the young Avengers. They have the twins. They yeah. have Kate. Okay. They have Elijah. Mm-hmm. Soon, soon when Marvels the Marvels come out, they'll have uh, uh what's her name? Monica, uh, Monica Rambeau, and uh, no, not Monica Rambeau. Um, the young uh, Puerto Rican girl. Oh, uh, 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 oh shoot! Why am I forgetting her name? Miss America was it? Miss America Miss... Chavez. What's that? Is that America Chavez? Yeah, America Chavez. There mm-hmm. we go. And you said they yeah. cast the character already, right? They've already cast. Yeah. Oh, actually, she's coming in Doctor Strange. Oh, sh- that's a yeah. Weird- she's been cast. That's a weird one. I was like, how's she gonna fit in Doctor Strange? But okay, I'm. Well, she's from a different dimension, so that kind of oh, makes sense. Oh, you're right. Because she's not yeah. from Earth. You're right. 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 You're right. And yeah. we still have Ironheart. And Riri, and she's gonna be in Cap, and she's gonna be in uh, Black Panther too. In Wakanda Forever, and and yeah, that's right. She's introduced there, and she's supposed to be in the Iron Iron Wars too, right? The, yeah. Oh, I cannot wait. Oh, yeah, the Don Cheadle series. Yeah. yeah, and and she has her own series coming out too, right? Yeah, yeah. So okay, so we got all those kids there. Wow. <laughs> so that's gonna be they'll really be tapping into like a, a more youthful market, but I think that's a good thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's interesting. Well, let me ask you a question then. So with this lineup that you're saying with Young Avengers, it seems to me that this would be the perfect time to bring a live action Miles Morales. Agree or disagree? Oh, I totally agree. And I feel like now it might happen after this Spider-Man movie. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like Tom might. This will be Tom's last one. And I think maybe we will get a Miles. Wow. Or maybe I'm just hoping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, you know, especially like you said, with the multiverse, he made that Miles may not actually be in the existing. He might be from another. Yeah, just like America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, depending on, on how they do it. I mean. And he's part of the Young Avengers in the comics, so it, it would make sense. See? But it's going to be interesting because I don't think they're getting rid of the Avengers. I think we will have an Avengers lineup still. Yeah, so so you're thinking like an Avengers and then a young and then like a Teen Avengers, sort mm-hmm. of like, sort of like yep. you, you have the Justice League and Teen Titans. Like, yep. I feel like maybe that's what's happening. Okay, so then here's the other question: Who's going to be okay between you and me? Like, it seemed to me that the I could be wrong, but to me it seemed like what Feige and the MCU were looking to do with this new phase of Avengers. Once they phased out the OGs, it seemed to me that the leaders of position, uh, the positions of leadership were going to be T'Challa and Captain Marvel or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And now with Chadwick gone and the fact that they are not going going to recast, not to say that we can't have a Black Panther. I still because Black Panther is a title. Anybody, not anybody, but, you know, other people can step up into the suit. Um, I'm just wondering if that's going to still be the plan. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure. I'm I'm still like trying to run through my head like 
who's yeah. going to be the next. I mean, I guess it's Ant Man, Wasp, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. Black Widow. I mean, we have a new Black Widow. We do. <laughs> we do. And I mean, there's no spoilers here. It was announced in casting that uh, Yelena, that uh, Florence Pugh did shoot several episodes of Hawkeye. And we, oh, yeah. And we know this because when we saw the ending credits, the that post-credit scene in Black Widow, Yelena is visiting <laughs> Natasha's grave, and then Madame Hydra hands her a file and was like, this is the man who's responsible for your sister's death. And when uh, Yelena opens the file, it's a picture of Clint. Yeah, so we'll have to stick a pin and revisit that when we get to the end of episode two, because I feel like there's a connection there. I absolutely agree. Yeah, like they're really like I'm really curious to see how this is going to play out. Um, I was actually just watching, uh, you know, how uh, Disney Plus has the assembled series. It's like the behind the scenes docs of each of the Marvel properties. So Mm -hmm. I was actually watching the behind the scenes of Black Widow or the making of Black Widow. And it seems to me like there's definitely been a handing of the baton to Yelena. Yeah. Um, to be sort of like the new Black Widow, so to speak. And I really like her. I really loved her in the Black Widow movie. She had great chemistry with Scarlett Johansson. And one of the things that I really liked about the movie was the fact that how she would make fun of Natasha. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like you said earlier, there was an over-sexualization of the character when it was first introduced. Yeah. And, I, and what I loved about Black Widow is I think Scarlet finally had a chance to kind of clap back, so to speak, <laughs> right? And through Yelena, she was like, well, when you land, why do you do that? Why do you yeah. land like this? And there's actually a scene where Yelena does the same pose and she's like, yuck, yuck, yuck. I love her. I was like, I'm sold. I love Florence Pugh. Me too. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about her, but she's so different than Scarlet Johansson's Black, uh, Black Widow that it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, so I think she's definitely going to bring a new uh, energy to the Avengers, you know, if she comes to the fold. But it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic between her and Clint uh, will be, because now she's sort of, I'm guessing she's bent on revenge. She's got it in her head that Clint is responsible for Natasha's death. And Mm, yeah. um, yeah, a showdown between Clint and Kate, and then Yelena is going to be quite interesting. It's going to be real interesting. Very formidable. <laughs> very formidable. And, and also, throwing this out there, but before we go back to, to um, Hawkeye, when I was watching, in watching the, the documentary and the ending, they were talking about like that ending when all of the, the other Black Widows are released from their mental hold. Mm-hmm. Seems to me, y'all got a whole series waiting right there yeah lethally trained assassins who now have a conscious and control and autonomy what do you do with these women like it seems to me like i would love to see like a widow series of some sort like you know yeah that would be interesting and we still got the task taskmaster you know running around and everything yeah you know what i mean so you've got all these powerful women like you don't just ignore them. They're, you know, like they're in the world. I would assume that they would want to do something to kind of make up for their wrongs or something. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Florence Pugh in the Hawkeye series and how that showdown with the Hawkeye is going to happen. The other uh, thing is fast forwarding to episode two, uh, the last shot of episode two, we understand, you know, Hawkeye and, uh, Kate were kind of on the run from the what do they call them the the something mafia? Sweat they call them the tracksuit the tracksuit mafia. Episode two, they've been trying to get you know get revenge on Kate or whatever and and Hawkeye and Clint and then towards the end of episode two they are captured. Well, first Clint is captured and then Kate busts through the wit busts through the ceiling the winding the window ceiling to try to save. Him. <laughs> and it just <laughs> work. God bless her. I was like, girl, you watched too many action movies. That didn't work out for you. And then <laughs> get tied up. You know what I mean? And so the uh-huh. end of episode two, because remember before they got Clint, remember they said something about she, that she wants to. Yeah. Stay. 
So I was like, who the hell are they talking? Who she? And then that last shot, we see one of the members of the tracksuit mafia goes into the back and is like, hey, you know, they're tied up. You know, you can come out or whatever. And then we see um, this woman, clearly of like Latino or Native American descent. And we understand that that is actually Maya Lopez, um, who also is known as Echo and who also is a deaf superhero, yeah. superhero mm-hmm. of sorts. And so I got to say, Robert, I was really, really excited to see that last scene. I'm kind of... Me you- too. I knew Echo was in the series, but like it still took me by surprise. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, the the actress who plays her is, I think it's, her name is Alakwa Cox. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's so cool is that she is actually deaf in real life. So mm-hmm. again, kudos to Marvel for really um, making that search. Um, and like I said, I was like, if Disney could do it, if yeah, if, if you know they could take the time to do that, then I would hope that other studios and directors would take the time to do that. Because Kevin Feige was just very much like, like the the Disney mandate, or I should say, the Marvel mandate was we need a it was very specific. We need a deaf actress of Native American heritage because uh, uh, she is Cheyenne. Her father was a, a Cheyenne mobster or whatever, or from the Cheyenne tribe. And so, yeah. yeah and so they found her and I, I saw an interview with her. She was like, I don't really have acting experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? She had done some Broadway, you know, like some high school plays or, you know, whatever. Um, but I really appreciated that they did that. That they were like, yeah. oh, this is who we need to play this role. And you know she's an amputee too, right? Yes, I saw that. I was just yeah. like, oh, wow. So, wow. It's going to be really interesting to see her fight scenes. Because we know she can fight. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I wanted to tie to Yelena. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Echo's power is copying other people's movements. Lord. Which kind of ties to the whole Taskmaster thing, you know? Oh, boy. <laughs> This is going to be interesting. <laughs> and of interest, I was, you know, doing a, a quick read on the Maya Lopez character. And I wanted to throw this at you. We understand in the comics, Maya Lopez is the adopted daughter of Kingpin. Um, yeah, she sure is. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so the backstory is Kingpin actually murdered Maya's father. He was a mobster as well. And then the father's dying last wish was, please raise my daughter you know, as your own. And so Kingpin surprisingly did take her in and raised her as his own, gave her all the, you know, whatever. She went to all these gifts. They realized at first they weren't sure what was, they thought something was wrong with her, but she's not. She's just, she's deaf and she's mute, but she's brilliant. And like you said, her mimicking skills kind of came through when she was younger. Like, I think she just learned to play the piano in like a day or something like that. Like she's just, she picks things up really, really quick. Um, so my thing was like, okay, so if they're going to follow this origin story of her being Kingpin's adopted daughter, because clearly she's got muscle. She's mm-hmm. got some sort of underworld connection Ties. to yeah. tracksuit mafia to be working to her. So seems to me, I don't know. Are we going to get... Could we potentially see... Vincent D'Onofrio? Yeah, could we possibly see a Kingpin uh, cameo? And also, would it be possible to see a Daredevil cameo? Because we know in the comics... Listen. (laughs) I'm just saying. Listen, if we get Vincent D'Onofrio in this, John, this would be so good. Yeah. That character is so good. Like, of all the Netflix MCU stuff, that character is Mm -hmm. so good. And I would love to see him back in the MCU. I, I do. I mean, listen, I think anything is possible because of the fact that they brought Evan Peters to play Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And I remember Quicksilver was from the Fox property of X-Men, but integrated him into Disney. Seems to reason, why not? Why could they not hire Charlie Cox back? Why could they not bring Vincent D'Onofrio? I mean, like, what what's the purpose of, like, recasting these characters where people already have an attachment to the actors who have played these characters? Is my question. That, that would be so... Like, if that happens, that's, like, the ultimate, like, 
Oh, it's gonna that's be- the ultimate. I think so too. I think so too. And you know, because remember the 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 theory, at least for me, when I saw the ending of Far From Home, um, and then watching No Way Home, we understand that Peter's identity has been revealed and he's on the run. I was like, hey, this seems like a perfect opening for Charlie Cox. I mean, Peter's gonna need a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Who better than Matt Murdock? Because we know that Mur- Matt Murdock has a history of representing uh, superheroes. You know what I'm saying? And, and it seems like it's been the rumor mill for like the last year that he's going to show up in something. I well, if it's not far, if it's not No Way Home, then I think this Hawkeye is the perfect home for him. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really, really cool. And and like. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see like if they keep that same origin story and if they're gonna bring. Because I mean, when I was watching Hawkeye, that world there that they've created in New York, I can see a Daredevil, I can see a Matt Murdock living there, and I can also see a Kingpin in that. Scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited. So I guess. Oh God, we got. So one of these new episodes airing new every Wednesday or every Friday. I was gonna ask you. I, I'm guessing every Wednesday. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So it's gonna be interesting to see like how they're going to handle the Maya Lopez character. Because some people are like, oh well, she's not gonna be Echo, and I was like, well, that don't make no sense. Of course they're gonna make her Echo. Like, well, I mean, they just had her surrounded by a bunch of speakers yeah. at, oh, in that end scene. She so, did. So yeah. Yeah, like if you look at that end scene, there's like a bunch of like uh, hi-fi speakers going off in there. So if that doesn't tell me she's Echo, nothing yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's like feeling all the vibrations from the speakers. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, look at that scene again. It's just like a wall of like speakers. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, so I, I so for me. I'm invested in this show now. I'm like, okay, the first two episodes, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's pretty good. I had very low expectations, but I kind of, but again, it's, you know, the casting and the writing seem to be hitting the right tone so far. So I'm really interested. And in now, you know, knowing about Echo and then knowing that Yelena is going to be coming in, like, we're going to be getting some really interesting stories. And I love that we have this show that's so female centric too, which I think is cool. Yeah, and this it's only six episodes, right? Yeah, so they got a lot of storytelling. <laughs> so next episode we'll be like halfway through. So mm-hmm. So I mean, they are longer ones. So it seems but, to me that Yelena will probably show up in episode three or four, maybe. I don't. That would be my guess. Actually, let me look up Florence Pugh. They usually will tell you like how many um, episodes she's done. Let's see, because they really kept uh, the. The shooting of that kind of super secret. They um, did. Okay, so all right, all filmography. So she is supposed to be in Hawkeye. She's in four episodes. Yup. So she's showing up at episode three. So yeah, she got to show up next episode. <laughs> listen. So I think what's gonna happen? This is my this is my theory. My theory is they're going to set up Echo and Yelena to sort of be like these antagonists for Kate and Clint, right, respectively. Mm -hmm. And I think what's going to happen, I could be wrong. My theory is that once we are revealed, once the big bad is revealed, who I think is Eleanor, Kate's mother, I think there's going to be a team-up of sorts. I think there's going to be a team-up of Kate, of Echo, and Yelena. 100%. 100%. You nailed it. Yeah, I think that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna be like, oh, yeah, you thought she was the bad. No, she's the bad one. And yeah. so it's gonna kind of be cool to kind of see this girl power. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna get like two episodes of them being like antagonists for Kate, and then yeah. the last two they'll be teaming up against her mother. They are, yeah, and and I can. The thing is, I can actually see Kate and Yelena being friends only on the, because of the fact of if Eleanor ends up being the villain that gives her a broken home, right? Like her father's gone now, her mother, she, you know, she doesn't have her mother, so to speak. And I think mm-hmm. Elena could definitely relate to that. Yeah, know, for sure. Of having this idea of this family and then it's kind of blown up. And especially now that she doesn't have, uh, you know, Natasha was like really her sister. Right. And now she doesn't, 
really have anybody. So I think I can kind of see them bonding over that and probably like developing a friendship. Yeah. And then we get Hawkeye and Black Widow again. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Isn't that, the symmetry is just so amazing. I didn't even think about that, Robert. That's right. Because they're each stepping in for the other. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see that because I definitely like would like to see as much as like I said, I love the male female platonic representation in the MCU. I would definitely like to see some strong female friendships. Yeah. And just to see it like Mm -hmm. just to naturally like come together like this is just like so cool. I think so, too. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting um yeah i'm 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 really excited to see where this is gonna go so well thank you robert <laughs> yeah thank you thank you yeah and i'm excited to see the rest of these now me too so we will be reviewing we'll be back later this week to review episode three are they dropping one episode at a time i hope so <laughs> yeah they're one at a time they dropped like the first two and now they're gonna be one at a time Awesome. All right. Yeah. So we'll be back to recap episode three and we'll see if our theories, any of our theories pan out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.